Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 437. How much are we charging? He goes, I don't know. What did we charge yesterday? And all of a sudden, he, he grabs his chin, stares at the, the dish, and out of his rear end, bang, thirteen ninety five. Are you shitting me? Like, really? We're going to guess at what it is. And, and, and that's, we're supposed to make even more money on features than anything else. But we don't have, they have no idea. I often hear chefs say, well, I generally know what my protein is. I generally know what the side is. I generally know what the starch, whatever it is. Well, then you generally ain't making money because we're an industry of pennies, not dollars. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. 89% of guests research a restaurant online before dining out. Your website is your first impression. So answer me this question honestly. What does your website say about your restaurant? Also, websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue. Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable and with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest david scott peters david my man are you feeling unstoppable today I am feeling unstoppable. And you know what? I'm not only feeling it, I am unstoppable. Dave, I'm feeling unstoppable because this is the second time you've been on the show. And honestly speaking, your interview was probably the most, one of, at least one of the most memorable episodes I've had on the show because you just blew it away. Uh, you're a great speaker. You're super knowledgeable. And I know this is going to be a good one. If you guys want to check out that episode, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash, I think it was 121. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Let me just double check real quick. Yes, episode, sorry, 141. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 141, and uh, you can listen to uh, who Dave is, uh, what knowledge he has, which is a lot. And it's, it's a great episode, uh, so get ready for it. And today, um, I'm, I'm always telling you guys to write me, uh, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me what your challenges are. Tell me what topics you want covered. I know a lot of experts, and uh, I, I'll go deep. I'll, I'll get them on the show, and we'll, we'll cover those topics. So, Today, David Scott Peters is here to talk about uh, menu engineering, and uh, this is from an email that was sent to me not too long ago, so I am listening. I'm here to work for you guys, so do write me your questions, and I will go to work for you. And All right, Dave, uh, let's dive in, but before we do, let's get that motivational, inspirational quote or mantra going. What do you got for us? Well, I'm going to share with you what I have on my training room wall that I stole from my father, so it's near and dear to me, and he had a phrase that said, ideas are cheap 
It's the people who put them into action that are priceless. Mm. And that's the key. You listen to, to Eric and Restaurant Unstoppable, we get all these great ideas. But if you do nothing, if you, if you write down actual items and do nothing, you get nothing. So you've got to take action. So every time you listen to one of these, whether it's me or somebody else that Eric's interviewing, you find that one nugget, just one thing, take action and you will get results. You know, it's, I love that you say this. And it really reminds me of this idea of uh, kind of how the industry was and the the reputation it had about holding secrets close to your chest. And a lot of people were really careful about what knowledge they share with other people. But what I've noticed is the most successful people in this industry share all the knowledge they have. And it's one of the, that's one of the reasons why they're so successful. And the truth is you can share all the knowledge you have and it's, it's going to be the execution that makes you successful. It doesn't matter what you know. It, it matters how well you execute it. So don't be worried about sharing knowledge. And if anything, if you want to attract more greatness onto yourself, be willing to share that knowledge. So any thoughts on that? Uh, no, dead on, dead on. Bottom line is, it, it, they're, they're the same thing. Get up off your ass and do something. And even if in the restaurant business, we know that the most expensive education you'll ever have is running your business because you learn from every mistake. The, pro- the problem is sometimes we let those mistakes stop us from doing anything else. Instead, realize you may make a mistake, you learn, you make a mistake, you learn. I know it costs us money, that hurts. But then all of a sudden, that one thing that you do that takes your business pivots it to success, uh, changes your bottom line, changes your life. You would never get there if you let each mistake stop you. And the other part of that is by having Eric as a resource and what he does for us as a a restaurant industry, he's exposing you to the information of all the experts that have already made the mistakes that cost them money. (laughs) All you got to do is follow the plan to success. You don't have to make the same dumbass mistakes that we have. That's how we learned, right? And that's really what human, I feel like that's what humanity is all about. Like if you look back to like not to get too far of a sidetrack here, but we are where we are today because our ancestors learned something and they and they pass it to the next generation, and that's our obligation. So I love this mentality of uh, of learning, falling in your ass, getting back up, letting the next generation know. Okay, this is what I did. To, this is how I effed up. Uh, so you don't have to. Uh, all right, I think I think we've proven our point, Dave. So um, I'm just gonna get out of the way because I'm just the guy that asks questions. I've learned a lot, but like I still have a lot to learn, and this is not my area of expertise. So uh, where do you want to start on the top? topic of menu engineering or, or uh, costing and pricing, like just, just take it. Like, and I'm just listening at this point. Sure thing. No problem. Well, I want everybody to start to think about this. Think about your menu. Isn't your menu the heart of your business? It has everything to do with your price point. It has everything to do with the quality of product you purchase. It has everything to do with style of service and how you decorated a place. I mean, the bottom line is your menu is the heart of your business. If we all can agree upon that, then I want you to think about this. I'm 51 years old. I probably have a couple extra pounds on me, a little genetics going against me. I got to take blood pressure medicine. I got to take cholesterol medicine. Why? To keep my heart going so it doesn't stop. Because the bottom line is my heart pumps pumps and puts oxygen through the blood to every extremity, to every organ, keeps me alive, keeps me motivated, keeps me going, right? Well, in your business, your menu, if that's the heart of your business, when it pumps, it doesn't pump blood and oxygen, it pumps money to all your extremities, your organs, and so on. It gives you the money to buy the food. It gives you the money to buy the liquor, bottled beer, draft beer, wine. It gives you the money to pay for labor in the kitchen, front of house, back house. doesn't matter. It pays rent. And so if that heart keeps pumping and money keeps flowing, well, then your restaurant is healthy and you're going to make money. You're going to be happy. It's when all of a sudden things start to constrict. If, if that heart doesn't pump the money, then your restaurant starts to die and we start to have troubles in our business. And the truth of the matter is this. 
If you don't know what every item costs you on your menu, you are putting cholesterol, if you will, into that heart. You are choking off your business because you have no idea if you're making money. In fact, I will tell you this, without costing out every item on your menu, forget about menu engineering, how the hell do you know if you'll make money? In fact, you are throwing your profitability, what I call dumbass luck. Think about it. Any other industry, do they look at an item and, and, and you've scratched your head? Picture this in our industry. Uh, chef today puts out a, a, a fettuccine Alfredo with chicken, and it's a, t it's a feature. And Sally, the server, with a great chalkboard writing, loopy, just beautiful chalkboard, different colors. Oh, but say, hey, chef, how much are we charging? He goes, I don't know. What did we charge yesterday? And all of a sudden, he, he grabs his chin, stares at the, the dish, and out of his rear end, Bang, thirteen ninety five. Are you shitting me? Like, really? <laughs> we're gonna guess at what it is, and 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 that's we're supposed to make even more money on features than anything else. But we don't have. They have no idea. I often hear chefs say, "Well, I generally know what my protein is. I generally know what the side is. I generally know what the starch, whatever it is." Well, then you generally ain't making money because we're an industry of pennies, not dollars. Mm. And so, if you don't know, so picture it this way: I, I had the displeasure of buying. Tires for two cars, two cars on the same freaking day several summers ago. My wife's car, I took it in to get tires. Mine was in the shop because the front end was wobbling. While I'm sitting there buying tires for my wife, they ring, the phone rings and says, hey, man, your tire's separating. You need new tires. Well, if we've all had that feeling like, oh, man, i got to pay for tires, we've been to tire retail stores. And when you walk into a tire retail store, you see a stack of tires with a price on top. Now, granted, we've got the person behind the register that has the computer with thousands of tires, but when you walk in, you see tires stacked with a, st with a price on top. Well, I want you to think about this. Do you think, do you think the manager woke up that morning, got ready for work, got to the office, poured a cup of coffee, starts sipping it, walks out of the office, sees the stack of tires, sits there, crosses her arm, puts her hand on their chin, and says, hmm, I wonder what I should charge in right out of the rear end, $350. Or do you think that manager knew exactly what he or she needed to charge for those tires to make money? Well, I'm gonna tell you, I think they know exactly whatever tire costs because how the hell do you run a business if you don't know what the hell you're selling costs? Mm. And it's a much bigger challenge for us in a restaurant because we have all these ingredients. And because food costs have gone so high, because quality matters so much, so many restaurants are doing the right thing and going to scratch kitchens which means we are making more and more of our own products, our own sauces, side dishes, desserts, uh, soups, you name it. We're taking ingredients from other vendors, putting them into a pot and making something new, which is like if we're, we're our own manufacturer. And we've got to even know what that costs in order to put it in a recipe card. So think about it. If you don't have recipe costing cards, you are throwing profitability to dumbass luck. So now let's, let's think a little bit about, let's go further. If it starts with recipe cost cards, we want to talk about menu engineering, and we start talking about recipe cost cards, let's first think about this. Ask yourself, what are the two reasons, and there's only two reasons, I need to have recipe cost cards in the first place? Well, one makes complete, utter sense to us. That's costing. That's, am I going to make money? Profitability. The other one is consistency. So I want you to think about this. There are national chain restaurants out there that are pretty good, and there's some that suck. And in fact, I'm not going to name this one. In fact, it's starting to, to make its downturn in, in all over the nation. They're closing restaurants as we speak. Bottom line, neighborhood restaurant bar, or bar, and all of a sudden, things are going down. But 
when I go, they're all over the country. And I see lines of people, and I think they have terrible food. I think they have terrible service. Uh, they're just priced, and they advertise. And well, why do they have lines of people? Well, the fact of the matter is, if I, if I think they suck, the truth of the matter is they suck the same way every day. Mm. And, you know, we kind of, in our brains, we think, oh, that's, that's kind of funny, right? Uh, no, it's, it, it's not. It means they're kicking our ass because they're consistent that's the second reason. In our restaurants, in independent, sometimes the portion's large, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's salty, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it looks different because one cook made it uh, for the first time in three weeks because you don't sell many of them. And believe it or not, that consistency builds business, which means recipe costing cards is not just you, the owner or manager, trying to make every penny of profit as possible, like you're being greedy. It actually creates sales. It's a top line mentality. So when you talk to your chef, when you talk to your kitchen manager about recipe cost cards and you get pushback, it's not that you're being greedy. It's that we have a responsibility to run a profitable restaurant and we want to give our guests the same damn experience every single time, which builds sales. So hopefully you have that in your mind that these are critical to my business. Now, with that said, a recipe costing card is simple. It's a listing of ingredients a shopping list for all, all intents and purposes. You know, I've, if I'm going to make a Caesar salad, I've got my, my romaine lettuce, I've got my oils, I've got my uh, shredded cheese, I've got you name it, whatever goes into your Caesar salad, croutons and so on. Well, we have a list of ingredients. Then we also want to know the cost of that ingredient. So if I buy romaine lettuce instead of sh already cut up and, and clean in bags, but I actually buy a case, well, I want to know the case price of that romaine lettuce. Then I need to know the quantity, how much product is in that, that case of romaine lettuce. Now, once I have that, I've got to do one more thing, and that's something called a yield test. What is a yield test? A yield test is how much usable product there is in that case. Because for instance, now I can tell you, I can't cook. I can run anybody's kitchens with the right systems. I'm not a chef, so I make life really easy for me. Pick things like romaine lettuce. I take a head of romaine lettuce, and I put it on a cutting board. The top is brown. It's, it's wilty. It's got worms, it's got dirt. You going to serve that to your guests? Hell no. We cut it off, throw it away. The bottom's like an apple core. Only a goat would eat. Serve that to your guest? Hell no. Cut that off, throw it away. Well, let's make life easy for me and say we bought the romaine lettuce at 10 cents an ounce, but we have a 50% yield. Now we don't, we, we have a much better yield net, but it makes life easy for me. 50% of the product is thrown away, not usable. Bought it at 10 cents, have 50%. That means it's 20 cents a usable ounce. See, we have to figure out what that yield is. And that's critical to recipe costing cards. It's a game changer because too many restaurants, all they do is grab whatever the cost is if you're doing recipe cards at all. So a yield test is simple, ending weight divided by beginning weight. Really tough arithmetic, right? Yeah. Not hard at all. Now, once we have that, how many ounces are we going to put in that? It's how many ounces, four ounces romaine, five ounces, six, doesn't matter. Then I multiply that times my usable ounce price, and I know my cost. Now, let me be very, very clear. When we talk about yield tests, we may also have to do conversions. Like if you buy um, chicken wings, we buy chicken wings by the pound. We use them by the each. You will literally have to create a batch recipe where it, you literally count five cases of chicken wings to find out the average count. So you can convert a, the price of a 40-pound case, 40 pounds, into how many eaches. And so everything that you do, you've got to think about, am I creating my own ingredients 
whether it's touching it, prepping it, or creating it myself in a batch recipe. So now, total up all your ingredients. Use divided by sales, what I'm going to sell it for gives me a food cost. Now, that's a recipe costing card. The problem is when most people do just that, they're wrong. Why? What about free product? So anybody listening to our, uh, to our conversation right now, think about this. Do you give away chips and salsa free at the table? Do you give away bread and butter free at the table? All right, you're thinking, hey, man, I'm, I'm quick serve. I'm um, casual concept. I don't have any of that. I don't have to worry about it. What about salt, pepper, ketchup, mustard? Oh, that's free, right? Mm -hmm. So you're a part of this. And I've got news for you. I won't give anything away for free. Now, Eric, don't get me wrong. Look, man, I, I, would, I wouldn't approach your table and go, uh, excuse me, sir. It looks like you used about 35 cents in mustard. I'm going to put that on your ticket. Wait till Yelp gets a hold of that one, right? I mean, we're dead. But understand that if I give away free product and I get no money for it, I'm raising my food cost. And we often wonder, why can't I hit my food cost? Free product, free product, free product, free product, right? So what I want you to do is think about this. You've got to create what's called a spice factor or consumable factor. That means we are literally going to take beginning inventory of all the products I give away for free. I'm going to take whatever I purchase or prep value of that product, what I give away for free. Beginning inventory plus purchase slash prep tells me how much product I could have given away for free in that period. I take an ending inventory of those items I give away for free and I subtract that from what I could have given away. It gives me a dollar amount, how much product I actually gave for free. Now I go to that expenses cash, cash register called the point of sale system and run a PLU report, velocity report, item by item sales mix report, don't care what you call it. How many entrees only did I sell during that period? Take that number, divide it into how much product I gave away for free, dollar value wise, come up with 65 cents, 25 cents, $1.35, don't care what it is. It is now an ingredient on every entrees recipe costing card. I'm not giving anything away for free. I'm basically making it a weighted average, adding it as an ingredient. So when I price my products, the things that I sell, my items, I'm getting the money for it so my food costs will be accurate. That's a game changer. It also means we need to look at things like if you use fryer oil, how many people don't ever put that in a recipe card and how the hell would you? Create a fire, fryer oil factor. Beginning inventory plus purchases minus ending gives me use by dollar value divided by how many fried items I sold and on every fried item you put that on there, bang, I am now charging for every ingredient that I use. That is huge. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I do have a question, but I feel like you might get there. So um, you can just tell me to shut up and be patient if you are going to get there. Uh, but what do you, how do you factor in uh, basically like like shrinkage or like you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, like the percentage of um, like loss? Uh, but what about like dropping like a chicken wing? on the ground. Like how do you factor that in? And I'm assuming you're probably going to get there. I'm so well, actually I'll just, I'll just throw that in right now. It's not a part of the recipe costing card. That is something goes on a waste sheet and the waste sheet allows us when we start calculating our ideal food costs versus actual, 
where the gap is and what's a correctable behavior that it doesn't happen again. So it has nothing to do with your recipe costing card. Where that would come in is, let's say, for instance, if I, want, if I have bacon and I buy bacon by the 15-pound slab and it's got a number of slices depending on how thick it is. Well, I've got to do a batch recipe to convert that from a pound price to how many slices. But if you have that Nimrod who burns a tray every Thursday, I need to factor that into my yield and subtract that from how many usable slices I have, making my bacon become even more expensive. So that's the only place that I'd put that kind of waste in. Otherwise, everything else you're talking about goes on a waste sheet, and that's for tracking for food cost and seeing the difference. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thanks for diving into that. No worries. Now, one more piece to this is your recipe cards are still wrong if you've got paper, because a lot of people don't know how to use paper in a recipe card and does it belong. So I'm going to give you the rule. If you use paper as an ingredient in that item, 100% of the time, it is food. You buy that paper as food. You inventory that paper as food. You use that paper as food. For instance, if I'm a, a, a taco uh, shop and all I do, I sell tacos. And every taco is wrapped in a piece of parchment. You can't buy that taco. I will not give it to you unless it's wrapped in a piece of parchment. You can't have it on a plate. You can't have it in your hand. You can't have it in a cup. Hell, the only way I'll give you that taco 100% of the time is that taco is wrapped in a piece of parchment. Well, that is food. That would be purchases food, inventory as food. It's a recipe uh, ingredient food. But if I'm a pizza place where 50% of my pizzas are to go delivery and I've got that dine-in customer walks up and say, uh, excuse me, can I have a box? And you hand them that, that box and you go, damn it, right? There goes money. Well, the fact of the matter is that is not a part of the recipe costing card because it's not used 100% of the time. Because in a moment or in a little bit in today, I'm going to teach you menu mix by putting that paper or box on every pizza, I'm padding my recipes. We're going to see, think that we used a box every single time when we didn't, and we actually hit our ideal food cost. When we hit it dead on, we actually padded our recipe because we're over-portioning cheese. We're over-portioning pepperoni and sauces. We'll never see it because dollar value-wise, we thought we used more product. And when we actually do, it's actually a false number. So do know when it comes to paper, if you use it 100% of the time, part of the recipe, it's food. If not, it is a paper expense. So now, old days, we'd write this down. Then we work our way to spreadsheets and we say, okay, let's do it. Let's start with our batch recipes. Now, believe it or not, all this is critical to us talking about menu engineering because without recipe cost cards, you can't menu engineer. So let's start off with, I talked about batch recipes, ingredients you make from scratch. That's your soups, side dishes, sauces, dressings, those kinds of things. Well, to start off, let's take, for instance, if I made a melted uh, cheese dip and I put in a pot whole milk and some white cheese and uh, some vinegar and, and, and diced jalapenos and salt and pepper, and I put it all in there and it all melts and it evaporates. And when I'm done with the recipe, I'm going to have, if you will, 205 fluid ounces right? That's the volume. It all cooks down and whatever I'm left with doesn't matter. I don't, every product that went in at hundred percent yield doesn't matter if I threw some things away because by the time I'm done with the recipe, the yield is automatically created. How much usable product is left over? Well, if I put $31 and 25 cents in the pot, if you will, and I have 205 usable ounces, I come up with 
15 cents a usable ounce. So now when I do a recipe that has pretzels and my cheese dip, two ounces, it's 30 cents on the plate in cheese. If I do my nachos, put four ounces, well, that's 60 cents. See, you can't do your item recipes without doing your batch recipes first. So here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to grab your menu off your table, sit at a desk with a yellow pad of paper from the first item to the last, write down every batch recipe that goes into that item. For instance, if you sell chicken wings, you may have nine batch recipes that have to be completed before you can ever put 12 chicken wings on the plate. What do I mean? I got to convert my chicken wings from the pound to the each. That's a batch recipe. I've got five sauces I make. That's five batch recipes. I make my own ranch dressing. That's a batch recipe. I haven't figured out that my customers don't eat the celeries and carrot, but I still put it on the, on the plate. Two more batch recipes. That's nine batch recipes, taking product, changing it into a new form or product in its way, away, or from one measure of unit to another. Nine batch recipes before I ever can do 12 chicken wings on a plate as an item recipe. So you have to make sure you create this checklist of all your batch recipes and then document them, get them done right away. Now, let me tell you right now, Eric, if I were in a kitchen, whether I can cook or not, doesn't matter. I should be able, your listeners should be able, we all should be able to document them, write them down, not cost them, write them down in one week. Do you know why? Why? Eric, can you tell me why? <laughs> Do you know? Uh, I, one week. This is not my area of expertise, but uh, I, you I, and me, front of house I'll, people, I'll, man. I'll own up to it, man. Uh, go for it, dude. You tell you're me. killing me. <laughs> That's all right. It's you, you and me, front of house people. I yeah. had to learn this. Ready? <laughs> the reason why I can document them in one week is because I make them every week. They're dated products. If you don't make these batch recipes every single week, your product sucks and you're going to kill someone, right? <laughs> you, you make the soup every week. You make the dressing every week. They don't sit on the shelves for three weeks, right? It's dated product. So now, I know some people are thinking, well, I need, I'm so busy. I need two weeks, three weeks, whatever, man. <laughs> whatever you need, fine, whatever you need. But you got to get them documented first because here's the deal. All too often, people have seen me speak all over the country, gone back, want to do recipe cost cards, and their chef, their kitchen manager fails. And whether they failed to start or they actually started, sometimes what happens is they take 15 hours to do a recipe card, and they give up because they started with that chicken sandwich. And the chicken sandwich said, okay, it's got a bun. Now it's easy. It's one each. Got it. Chicken breast. Oh, I buy a standard six-ounce chicken breast. Done. Got it. Two ounces of cheese. Done. Done. Got it. Make my own barbecue sauce. Damn it. Stop. Go create a barbecue sauce recipe. Come back. Put my one ounce of barbecue sauce in there. Okay, no problem. Keep going. Uh, wait a second. I make my own coleslaw. I make my own all these side dishes. I have five, five side dishes. I stop. I go make side dishes. Oh, wait a second. I forgot on, the, on there. I added bacon to that, that recipe. I got to convert the bacon. That's a batch recipe. I stop. I go do the batch recipe. Come back. I go. All of a sudden, I've got 15 hours into one recipe because I start, I stop, I start, I stop, I start, I stop because I got to keep doing these ingredients, these batch recipes. So the fact of the matter is by documenting or creating your checklist of batch recipes, documenting them first and costing those first, you make life easy because now not only do you have your ingredients you buy from your broadline distributors, your specialty meat guys, your produce person and so on. As an ingredient, you know the cost with the yield. You know the product you manufacture. Now with all of your available products, costing out a recipe is easy as hell. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so I mean, a lot of these things are going to be standard once you, you get them and you, and you commit to them. You find the, the, the right, 
I guess, formula for what you want to stick with. And the only variables are going to be the, the cost of the product that that's coming in. Yeah, the that, right. And I will touch on that in just okay. one second. Absolutely. So here's a go. And, and you're absolutely right. And I'm going to talk about that right after this one, next okay. piece. And that's your item recipe card. So your item recipe card is the product you sell. Now let's say I make a Caesar salad because that makes life easy for me. And I got romaine lettuce, croutons, Parmesan cheese, and Caesar dressing. Well, let me tell you why the batch recipes are so critical to this process. I could buy romaine lettuce out of a bag, chopped up, clean, ready to go. Easy product I buy from a vendor. Or I prep my own romaine lettuce out of a case. Batch recipe. Croutons. I could buy recipe or buy uh, croutons out of a bag, a box in a bag, and throw them on there. Or I use last night's bread and I have a recipe, and it's a batch recipe. Parmesan cheese, I could buy shredded Parmesan cheese and just sprinkle it out of a bag. Or I could, oh, I could shred it myself. And anybody who's in a kitchen, we know that when we shred cheese, you actually have yield because there's evaporation, moisture disappears. So it's ending weight divided by beginning weight. That's a batch recipe. Caesar dressing, I get it out of a gallon. Or I could make it, use an egg and everything. Batch recipe. So when I do a a Caesar salad, there could be four batch recipe ingredients that I manufacture myself, if you will, that I need to have those recipes done before I ever can start this, or it could be four products that came right off the shelf. Either way, you can't do your item recipes without following that procedure of doing your batch recipes first. Now, one last thing I want to say when it comes to recipe costing cards, the items that you sell, is make sure you go in the kitchen on your slow days and write down how they're actually executing your recipes. Don't sit at table 22 and say, my specialty sandwich that had four ounces of this and two ounces of this, write it down from memory. Because all of a sudden over the years, your cooks have bastardized that recipe. It is nowhere near what you used to make. And in fact, you put on your recipe card five ounces of French fries and they've been putting eight ounces out for years. I need you to document how the recipes are actually being executed because that's how we can make change. I've got to know today so I can change it with training and other things that I later discover I need to, to edit. Mm. So if I've got all my costs, right, we know we did our, just like we did on paper, we know what the cost is. Let's say I uh, put $1.53 uh, in product on the plate and I'm going to charge $7.99. It must be a really small salad. Use divided by sales gives me a food cost of 19.16%. Done. Easy. Mm. The fact of the matter is, as easy as recipe costing cards are, if you follow the procedure I just gave you, it's still 40 to 60 man hours in, in, in work. And the challenge is, what Eric, you brought up is, holy crap, I could put 40 to 60 man hours in, in place, and by the time, by the time I finish them, everything's wrong. Okay, it, it, it's all wrong. Why? Why is it wrong? Because the price changed. Every delivery that comes in, there is a price change in your invoice, which means they're all wrong. So while we graduate from paper when I first started 30 plus years ago, writing it down with a grease pencil in the kitchen and, and having whatever the hell happens in ch- kitchens to make paper translucent, we went to spreadsheets. <laughs> Right, We put all these spreadsheets in, we became spreadsheet geeks, put it all together, and then somebody overwrites a cell, somebody blows up a formula, and you're working on bad information the whole time, and every invoice that comes in, you've got to manually update your products in each of the recipe cards, and you're not going to do it. So all of a sudden, over the years, one of the things that we had to develop, I've been doing this for uh, almost 15 years now, helping independents, 
at the time of us talking right now. And the truth of the matter is, I used to do everything in spreadsheets. And finally, my members said, David, we're tired. We're tired of doing these recipe cards. And by the time we're finished, they're wrong. So I'm going to wait three months, six months, hell, I'm going to wait a year before I update them again because they're out of date and it takes the same amount of time to redo them. So we created software. Now, whether it's my software or one of my competitors, I don't care whose you use. That's bullshit. Of course, I care. It's mine. <laughs> but I really don't care. If you've got a good system and you're using it, it's incredibly valuable. Where you've got to have software today. You have to have software today, whether it's mine or one of my competitors. The truth of the matter is this. You need the ability, like we've developed, that when you get your invoice from a broadline distributor, you can get it electronically by spreadsheet. And you can literally upload it into the system just like uploading a photograph to Facebook and bang, all my prices are up to date, which means every recipe card's up to date, my next order is up to date, my next inventory is up to date, done. And that's critical. So as we talk about the recipe cost and card uh, process, it's not any faster, it's not any slower, if you will. If I do it by paper, I do it by spreadsheet, or I do it by software. I'd like to think software is a little faster, but really, the fact of the matter is it's 40 to 60 man hours. And if you've got a lot of batch recipes, you could have 100 man hours, but it needs to be done. And the beautiful part about software is once they're done, they're done forever. Every time you order, every time it comes in, everything's up to date. And even if you made a feature a year ago, you at least have a starting point that when you put in a new price for what it is today, you know what to charge today, and that's critical. So, do you have any other questions on recipe cards? Because now I'm going to get into the menu engineering part. I don't have any questions. My head's spinning a little bit, but other than that, uh, <laughs> no, no questions. I think now is a good time to take a break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurants? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you leverage the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to getbento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. Payroll and benefits, it's hard. Sometimes it feels like this foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. 
You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back. David, get into menu engineering. Do your thing, man. All right, we'll get her done. So here's the deal. Let's say we have recipe costing cards for every item we make. Well, that means I've got to do a couple things. I've got to make sure that in my point-of-sale system, I have a key for everything I make. What does that mean? If I'm going to sell it to you, there's an actual key on the POS system. What I cannot do is I cannot have uh, Monday special, Tuesday special, Wednesday special, and one Monday it was pasta, one Monday it was, it was uh, fish, one Monday it was beef. I don't care what the dish is. The fact of the matter is each one has a different cost. You need to have fettuccine Alfredo. You need to have mama's meatloaf. You've got to have prime rib. You've got to have an individual key specific to the recipe is that we have a recipe costing card for it. Now, if you're a restaurant that will sell me anything a la carte, for instance, Mexican food restaurants have got to be the most accommodating restaurants in the world. I love them because you know what? If I want a single taco and the single taco is not on the menu, they will sell me a single taco. I want a tamale, they'll sell me a tamale. If I want anything on the menu, they'll sell it to me, which means you're going to have to have a key for anything you'll sell me and a recipe costing card to go with that key. That's critical. Cost out everything that you make have a key in the POS so we can register the sale for everything you make. Okay, so now we've got all that. Well, how do I make sure that I know what my items or my menu should cost me? Well, when I was a young manager many, many years ago, before the gray hair hit, uh, I was taught in order for you to know what a new menu might cost, you would list out all your items that you were going to sell, you want to list out how much, what it costs for each of those items, what you're going to sell it for. Then you total up what the total cost is if you sold one item of everything, what the total sale price is if you sold one of everything, and you divide it. Use divided by sales gives you a food cost. Well, the problem is it's a bullshit answer. It's horrible, wrong, it's terrible. And often we have these misnomers in our industry that we've been taught over and over again. That's not how you do it. It has to do with something called a nasty mathematical term called a weighted average. What it means is your ideal food cost, meaning if there was no waste, no theft, no spoilage, perfect restaurant, which does not exist. If you followed the recipes perfectly and based on what your customers actually purchase, that's what your food cost should be. This allows us to sell, say, an anchor appetizer out of a box at a 38% food cost because I don't sell many of them. And I sell the living hell out of my hand-cut fresh French fries at a 5% cost to sold. So because I sell so many at a lower cost, it weights the average lower even though I've got these things at a 38% on my appetizer list. Now, best way to look at this is this. Let's say you have a two-item menu. That's all you have is two items. That's all you sell, two items. One is a 1% food cost. One is a 99% food cost. During a calendar month, you sell 100 items and 99 of them at 1% food cost and one at 99%. What's your food cost? 1%, right? That one item sold at 99% doesn't move the needle. Same menu, next month, sell 100 items, 99 of them at 99% food cost, one at 1%. What's your food cost? 99%. That one sold at no, almost no food cost at all doesn't move the needle. So the only way to know your ideal food cost, what your food cost should be, if your kitchen 
follow the menu. If your chef or kitchen manager trained, purchased properly, controlled product, ran a perfect kitchen, which does not exist, that's what your food cost should be based on your customers, what they actually purchased, no matter what the food cost is, it's a weighted average. So bottom line is if I put all this together and I've got items that have a 20% food cost and a 38 and a 40 and 15 and so on, based on what they all purchased, I might come up with an ideal food cost of 30%. So it doesn't matter, right? Depends on your menu, your price point, quality of product, all those kind of portions, everything goes into that. And the only way to know what that should be is with accurate, up-to-date recipe costing cards. Otherwise, you're full of crap. If you generally think what your food cost should be, or worse yet, you run your business off a freaking national average. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right? The NRA says the national average food cost is 34%. You hear a speaker like me you say that, and you go home and go, chef, I need a 34%. Who the hell said that was your number? What if you're a steakhouse and should be a 40% food cost? And yes, you can make money, something called cash contribution. And you say 34%. And chef, you're going to lose your job if you don't hit 34%. Now chef has to buy crappy product, has to uh, reduce portion sizes, cut you out of business. What if you hit 34%, but you're a pizza place with pasta and your food cost should be 22%. You make your own damn everything. Well, all of a sudden, you're patting your chef on the back, your kitchen manager on the back, and they're losing you thousands of dollars every freaking month. <laughs> you got to know your food costs. And the only way to do that is to do recipe cost of cards and grab your actual mix, your sales mix, your item by item sales mix report, PLU report, velocity. I don't care what it is. Every item that you sell in every category. Now, if I do that, then I can figure out what my ideal food cost should be. Now, if you've got that, now we're at a point where the very first time you have that information, only the first time, we can reduce your food costs three to seven percentage points without fixing your kitchen. That means we're not taking inventories, we're not fixing portion control, we're not fixing theft, we're, not fix we're operating the same poor kitchen we've always operated. The only difference is we're going to re-engineer our menu. And we can drop your food costs three to seven points the first time. Now, this is critical to remember, first time. Because once you've done, put the science behind engineering your menu. Once you've done that once, you don't get a three to seven point drop every time you do a menu engineering. Because why? Then it'd be like me being uh, one of the credit card discount processors, right? Uh, credit card processors. They call you up and say, well, if you switch, I can, I can get you a better rate. I'll save you money. At this point, I've had so many of them call me as an operator, they should be paying me. <laughs> so you, at, once you do it once, we start looking at cash contribution. We might move at a point. We, we're going to make small changes, but it, we, don't get one, we only get one big bang. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this, Eric, one of my frustrations is there are a lot of broadline distributors that mean well and do very nice, wonderful things for their operators today. And one of those things is printing and creating their menus for them as customers. And they have great menu, menu companies that make them beautiful, put pictures, do all these wonderful things. The problem is they call up the operator who they know don't have recipe costing cards and say, what, what's your top cash contributors, two top cash contributors in each section, we'll merchandise those. Oh my gosh, you could actually put somebody out of business yeah. by selling the wrong dumbass item because it's got a 78% food cost. And I will tell you, nine out of 10 restaurants 
that we start this process. They discover they have an item anywhere from 60 to 80% cost could sold because they generally know the protein. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And you could kill them. So, so you've got to do this. So now let's go into basics. Number one, when you start menu engineering, you've got to think about this. Too many items is a bad thing. Perfect world for me. I would want you to have 35 menu items. That includes appetizers, side dishes, desserts. Now, a lot of people are gripping their chest like, oh my gosh, I got 100 items. Yeah, that's why you have such a high food cost. You have too many items on your shelf. You have uh, cooks that don't know how to make every item. In fact, they don't get ordered every single day. So you've got cooks that see a ticket every three weeks and go, hell, I haven't made that tuna fish, whatever, in five weeks and reinvents the dish and puts out a crappy product that's different. Right? This goes back to the consistency part. So we're going to trim it down. Now, look, if you're a, a three-mailer, if you are a sports bar, you know, we might reach that 65 menu item. I understand where you are. It's not a golden rule, but for me, think about this. On the West Coast, we've got something called In-N-Out Burger. Are you familiar, Eric? Have you been to an In-N-Out Burger? I've never Burger? been, but I've heard one. I'm from New Hampshire, so, you know, I don't, I don't make it up very right. often. <laughs> all right. Well, man, all they sell is a burger. You can get it with cheese, fresh-cut, hand-cut French fries and milkshakes. That's it. Mm-hmm. They have hundreds of locations at this point all over the, the, uh, the West and the, and the West Coast, and they have lines, lines every single hour. There's no downtime. It, they've become fanatical. Well, you're familiar with, say, Chipotle Mexican Grill. They've got five ingredients made five ways, and they've got lines of people mm-hmm. all the time. Why are these two concepts kicking ass when they have so little on the menu? They're so damn good at what they do every single day. It's consistent. Mm-hmm. And so don't think, I, I can't be all things to all people. Oh, man, I, I'm, a, I'm a sports bar in a Mexican food restaurant open down the road, and I'm going to add Mexican. Oh, and a steakhouse open down the road, I'm going to add steaks. And next thing you know, you're trying to be all things to all people, and you suck. Mm-hmm. Be great at what you do. So with that said, think about this. Your menu has to match your ambiance. Don't make it too pretty to make you think you look too expensive as you're casual. Vice versa, if you're expensive, don't have a shitty looking menu and look like you're not worth the money. Make sure your menu matches your demographics. Who are you trying to get in there? Families, you're trying to get uh, singles, you're trying to get people with money, whatever it is. So make sure it, it's congruent with who you are. Fine dining restaurants, you can charge What's the difference between $36 and $37 for a plate? A dollar. Who cares? Casual concepts, cents matter. Mm-hmm. I like odd cent pricing. We might start with $825, go to $850, $875, $895. Why? What does this allow me to do? It allows me to make small changes throughout the year, maybe on a quarterly basis. My customer still sees $8. My servers still see $8. My cashier sees $8, even though it's slightly going up to make up for the rising costs, whether in product or in minimum wage, all of our costs are going up without shocking the guest. And that little, that quarter could make a huge difference if it's my number one seller. I may not have to raise any other prices, just my top one or two items. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. So if you're fine dining, ignore that. There's, there's, what the hell's the difference between $1 and the next? I've got to understand when I menu engineer, concept called cash contribution. I talked about that steakhouse at a 40% food cost. See, I could re- sell a cheeseburger for five fifty. dollars a little small burger. cost me $1.13 to make it, 20, 20% food cost. I make $4.37. Or I could sell this T-bone steak. And let's say it's got a 42% food cost, 42%, but it makes me $7.44 when I take the cost of the ingredients 
from the sale price, right? This is gross profit before labor's paid, before any other bills, just the gross profit on that item, otherwise known as cash contribution or contribution margin. Well, would you want to sell the, Ford, the, the, the cheeseburger that makes you $4, or would you make the, sell the T-bone that makes you $7, even though it's at a 42% food cost? Truth of the matter is, it depends on where I want to hit my, my ideal cost, but I will probably sell the steak all day long. Mm. Why? If I have a $10 an hour cook or $15 an hour if I'm in New York or, or L.A., fact of the matter is, I flip the burger, make $4, <laughs> yep. right? Now, all of a sudden, I've got to flip the steak. Does it take two cooks to flip the steak? No, it takes the same cook. I make $7. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, even though the cost of goods sold is high, the ring at the register is so much higher that I make so much more money that it lowers my labor cost. Mm. So I believe in our last conversation, we talked about prime costs, the one number you must know. And so I don't want anybody on this call thinking, I'm only looking at food costs. No, you're looking at prime, total cost goods sold, plus total labor, including taxes, benefits, insurance. Mm-hmm. And so they go together, but they're separate, if you will. Okay? So now, decide what you want to do. What am I going for? Look at your garbage can. Yeah, we're talking about manual engineering. Well, this is how we're going to find out if we need to make changes. Do you have a lot of food in your garbage can because you put out... Portions that are too big. See, today things have changed. We have millennials that eat, well, not, not three meals a day, five, seven, eight snacks a day. They want smaller portions. We have a large senior population that if their portions are too big, they don't go out, right? They come in and automatically ask for a box. By putting smaller portions, we invite them. Mm-hmm. So the days of big, big portions, if I'm throwing it away, what I may be able to do is reduce the portion without raising the price. Mm. I'm still making more money, and my guest is still happy. What you have to worry about is, is there a lot of food in your garbage can because your food sucks? And the problem is many of us don't know what our food su- that our food sucks because we don't even eat it anymore. How do I know? Picture this. If you remember uh, all the managers you've worked with over the years, they get to the POS terminal, they want to order dinner, and they go, shit, I don't know. They run back to the kitchen and go, can you make me something special? What the hell is that? <laughs> You don't even like your own food that you're not even ordering it. And oh, by the way, Eric, what's the recipe costing card on something special, right? You don't have it, yeah. You don't. So we've got to make sure that's right. Then we've got things like eye movement, smarter people than me, and there's lots of them. (laughs) We sit there and say, if we had a single panel menu, studies have shown that the eye starts at the middle of the page and goes up. That means if I put something at the top, first top half, I'll sell it? Yeah. That means we can stop following the, the unwritten rule that you've, when you put a menu out that it's appetizers, soups and salads, sandwiches, and entrees. For instance, if I'm a casual concept, an upper scale casual concept, and at lunch I want bigger tickets, I'm going to set up the single panel menu with what? Appetizers, entrees, sandwiches, and at the bottom, I'm going to put salads. Because here's the deal. I know that eye movement, I'm going to sell more entrees and more appetizers. I'm going to do that. And I got news for you, Eric. Guess what? The rabbits will find their food, right? I don't care where you put the damn salad. They're going to start salad, 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 and they find it, (laughs) right? I don't need to merchandise the damn thing. So by using eye movement, I can place things that I want to sell. By the way, can't determine that I want to do that if I don't have accurate, up-to-date recipe costing cards. Mm -hmm. Two-panel menu, open it up flat. From the upper 
upper left corner to about a third or, or third or a quarter up from the bottom right. So draw that line straight across. Up in this upper right-hand quadrant, that's where I want to put things. That will sell more. If I've got a three-panel menu and I open it up, one flips to the left, the inside flips to the right. When I open it up, there are three panels directly across. My eye starts in the middle, darts up to the upper right, goes all the way across to the left, goes down the left, goes back up to the upper corner in the right, goes back down the right to the bottom and goes back across to the upper left. Ah, what did I say? Your eyes move three to four times in the upper right panel that third panel on the side. So I know if I want to make more money, I'm placing my money makers right there. Mm -hmm. But all too often, because people follow the rules of, of appetizers, soups and salads and so on, we get the side dishes and soda in my prime real estate. <laughs> Hell, right in that center panel, all the way at the bottom, that's where I'm putting side dishes and I'm putting my, my, my warning for, for food safety because nobody's eyes go there. I can't do any of these if I don't have what? Accurate, up-to-date, recipe costing and cards. So when we talk about menu engineering, you cannot, cannot engineer your menu to make more money if you don't have accurate, up-to-date recipe costing and cards. Fine dining restaurants, we can get away with putting out, uh, I've got uh, duck breast and uh, duck breast confit and whatever, <laughs> fancy stuff. It's a, you can put out the ingredients because I've got a well-trained server who's going to sell it at the table. Mm -hmm. And I've got a foodie that loves it. In a casual concept, I can't have a, a breast of chicken sandwich with lettuce, tomato, mayo, and provolone for six ninety-five. I don't care how cheap that is. I wouldn't buy it. It's a grocery list. I could make that at home. I'd rather have a teriyaki chicken burger, a savory grilled chicken breast with brush, uh, brushed with a sweet teriyaki sauce, topped with Hawaiian pineapple, melted cheddar. Yum. Yeah, I'd pay another buck fifty for that. We've got to sell it. Make sure that you write descriptions that sell if you're a casual concept. And if you're a barbecue place, look, don't start getting really great, smoky, juicy, smoky, juicy, and you get over to your entrees and you're like, ah, I've, said, I've said the word smoky so many times I give up. <laughs> Wrong! Don't get pissy. Make sure everything is described. Now, next thing I want to do, I want you to talk about no more than three fonts. I like a sans serif font for, say, the, the header. I like a sans serif font for the item. I like a serif font for the description. I don't care what you like, as long as there's no more than three fonts. And sans serif, by the way, are things like uh, Helvetica, Tahoma. There's no curly Q at the, the bottom or top of it. A Times Roman is a serif font that has the curly Q, if you will, at the base or top. With that said, the reason why I do this is all too often restaurants make their menus look hokey, like it's 1984 and Publisher from Microsoft just came out. There's 3,000 fonts, and we use all of them. Don't. Don't make it hard for me to read your damn menu. This is a sales tool, right? Now, what about pricing? Don't give me a damn price list. I need a description. The item, the description, and right at the end of the description, maybe it's, it's compact, maybe it's just about two inches, three inches wide, it's four lines, and right at the end, there's the price, there's no dollar sign, there's no dot, 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 there's no bold, because I go into restaurants and I see, you know, here's the appetizer, it's listed across, and then dot, 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 bold dollar sign. That's Look, all man. you're looking for. Right. So I shop. I decide I want to spend $4, $8, $10, a 12 and I decide how much I want to spend, and I, I only look at those items, which means you could have as an operator 
a guest that could have had the opportunity to have your signature item might have been $3 more they wanted to spend. And if they had it, they'd be a customer for life, mm. but you'll never get them back because they bought something that it was okay. This is critical. Don't do what everybody else has done. I've seen studies that say if I had, for my friends from Philly, if you had 10 items, five by each, the first, second, and last item will sell more. You mean if I put something in the first position, second position, and the last position, it'll sell every other item? 80 to 90% of the time. When I say 80 to 90%, sometimes you have a, a signature item that nobody even opens the damn menu. They just order it, right? That's customers and their habits. But how do I know what's put in first, second, or last, Eric? If I don't have recipe costing cards, right? <laughs> see then the, we sit there and see say, the theme here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't do any engineering without accurate, up-to-date recipe costing cards? You with yeah. me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Now, now, here's the deal. What about white space? Man, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, there's in California, I don't, I'm trying to think back east. It was just, uh, just there. Concepts that have way too many menu items. Uh, uh, forget about Cheesecake Factory. Take that one out of your head. They break every menu rule and they freaking work, right? Let me complain about uh, a store that does an average of $10 million or $12 million a store, right? <laughs> they break every rule. You can't do what a Cheesecake Factory does. Mm-hmm. But we've got concepts that, that like Mimi's Cafe with all this, this uh, artwork and everything's condensed and you can't read it. You don't know where one menu item starts, the other one stops. You can't do that. Rules say you should have 50% white space on your menu. Now, let me be very clear. 50% of the menu should have nothing on it. Owners, that doesn't mean buy bigger paper. (laughs) You've got to reduce the number of items on your menu. Let's make some space so it's easy for our guests to see. And then finally, uh, if you will, two things. One, know that if I take first, second, and last. If I place them there, I sell more. If I box it, it will outsell the first, second, and last. And if I am a casual concept and I could put photos in my menu, if I put a photo in the menu, it outsells first, second, last, and the boxed. I can truly influence what my guests order. And by putting that picture in, if you will, that's my top cash contributor. It makes me a lot of money. It's got a low food cost. I'm going to sell the hell out of it. It's one of my best items. And oh, by the way, if an item is expensive. It's expensive because it's not a value. It's a value no matter what it costs if it's awesome. And so I promote those and all of a sudden I can change my bottom line by putting the photo in. Now I don't want I don't want a photo to be a typical say Middle Eastern restaurant that or Mexican food restaurant, the quick serve concepts put a picture for every single item. That's not menu engineering. So you're going to only put one or two on each page so that my eyes go to it and I want to order it. And that makes a huge difference. So do know that I can't pick out what goes in the box. I can't pick out what I take a picture of if I don't have what, Eric? Recipe pricing cards. (laughs) Recipe coffee. I I learned something, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Last but not not least, I want to tell you this. When it comes to manual engineering, and and then we can talk about what you do to actually do the engineering part, okay? So I'm going to talk this one last point, and then I'm going to tell you what you do with your menu mix and all this recipe cost cards to make the change. And then that'll be kind of summarize it all up. Death to the laminated menu. I don't care that you own the damn laminator. Now, let me clarify. I'm okay with laminated menus. As long as you don't think they're permanent. I can't tell you how many restaurant operators have their own laminator. Put, Put the menus out and go, oh, price of tomatoes went through the roof. 
I have to change my prices. I'm going to, I'm going to lose money or let's better for it yet was uh, now a couple, a couple of years ago. Now eggs went 400%, right? You're a breakfast place and you can't change your prices because you're stuck with this laminated menu and you go, Oh, it'll cost me $400. I can't do that. Yet you're losing $2,000 a month by not changing the menu because there was a 400% increase in your eggs. Mm. So you can laminate a menu if you're willing to throw them away tomorrow. Because we have to have a menu, whether it's insert or laminate, I don't care what it is, that you're willing to change the price at any time you need to. In fact, at minimum, we're going to be reviewing that menu every quarter because things change every month. Make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. Oh, man. Uh, you said you had one more thing you want to go over before, right? Yep. Okay. Go, yes, sir. Go for it. And that is this. Once you've got all this data, you've got all, every item. You've got what it costs, what you sell it for, how many you sold. What you're going to come up with is in each section, you may have your appetizers may have a 25% food cost, and you go to your sandwiches, and it may have a 35% food cost. You go to your pasta entrees, you may have a 22%. And bottom line, when we get to the bottom, maybe your ideal food cost is 30%. Now what we can do with this data is we can raise the price on our top one or two items, maybe three. Because we sell the living hell out of them, I may not have to raise every price. I'll have the ability to re-engineer an item, meaning edit it. Maybe their portion's too, too large. Or I could switch from pine nuts to, a, to a, uh, an almond. And by making that change, I can reduce the cost, leave the price alone, increase my profitability. I can get rid of my losers. If I sell an item, if, if some people say, well, if I sell it one a day, one item a day, I should keep it. Wrong. It means you sell it on a Tuesday, a Thursday, the rest on a Saturday. Three weeks go by. Cook sees a ticket, goes, damn, I haven't made that in three weeks. Reinvents the dish. There's no costing there. There's no customer comeback. There's none of that. So all of a sudden, I can reduce those, but I don't get rid of the customer. Mm. So let's say I, I got rid of 50, 50 burgers, you know, David's favorite burger. Well, where does that go? Well, I'm going to assume they're going to buy my number one burger, cheeseburger, or I split it up over three different burgers. doesn't matter. So I get rid of the item, but I don't get rid of the customer. Okay. And when I, you're done, what do you get? You can have the ability to see the actual movement of not only your food costs dropping, but your cash contribution going up. And now look at that on a three-month basis six months, whatever it may, may be, and all of a sudden you may find that you can make one, three, five thousand dollars more a month on the same menu you've got by using proven principles, by using the actual recipe cost cards and your actual menu mix. And the last thing I want to tell you is this. I'm sure some chefs and kitchen managers are like, holy crap, David talked about ideal food costs. Yes, this will start off with telling me ideal food costs, and it will tell me where my food costs will be. I would expect my managers my chef or my kitchen manager to run a actual food cost a point and a half to two points higher than ideal because we're not perfect. So don't freak out and go, well, that's the number. That's what I got to hit. No. So if you need in your budget to reach a 28% food cost, you need to be looking for an ideal food cost based on menu engineering of 26%. And then you'll be able to make a, hit a menu that's on cost. Man, this has been a lot of information. And if you guys are anything like me, I'm left brain, like to the T, like creative, uh, imaginary. And uh, th the good news is this is recorded. So if you guys need to go back and listen to it multiple times, like I will probably have to to create the show notes for it. Uh, 
that's fine. Uh, we need to know this stuff. And uh, it's, 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 it's exciting stuff because it can have a huge impact on our business, but it's also uh, a little intimidating. Uh, but I think the, the, the good news is uh, when we do it right and we you know take the time, it's, it's not something that we have to do uh, all the time once we set it, right? Uh, and whenever we make changes, just do it right the first time. Uh, leverage the technology, the tools, the software that's out there to make this less intimidating, to make it less... Uh, I don't know, shitty <laughs> for a lack of better <laughs> word. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be so bad. And uh, once you, I think once you get in there and you learn it, I mean, things that are scary, we, we tend to stay away from them because we don't like to be uh, stupid. We don't like that feeling of being stupid. So we just stay away from it, but you're not stupid forever. You, you get in there, you figure it out, you do it a, couple, some, a few more times, you get less and less stupid every time you do it. And before you know it, it's like, it's just like you know writing your name, right? So just get in there and, and do it, and, and force yourself to get uncomfortable, and you will reap the benefits. Um, any thoughts on that? I can tell you this: uh, you're absolutely, absolutely right. If if everybody would just take your hands and clasp them together like you always have, since you were a baby, sucking your thumb, your hands went together. That feels comfortable. Now open up your hand and shift one finger. It's uncomfortable. Truth of the matter is you can still clasp, clasp your hands that way. And if I think Maxwell Maltz said, if I do this 74 days in a row this way, this becomes my way. I can't remember the total number, but if I change the way I do it, then it becomes comfortable. And that's this process. It's uncomfortable. But after you've done it, it's easy as hell. And then by using, like I said, the recommendation of software. Once you've done them, once they're done forever. Now I'm doing one recipe, seven recipes maximum a week because I have features every single day. Right. It, and because I may eventually, even though you may have three features in a day, I've already made that three months ago. I just pull up that recipe card. It's done. So that's critical. Use technology to help you hone in on your profitability. And it starts with your menu because it's the heart of your business. Awesome. So the, one of the questions I had uh, that I, I wanted to wait until the end is on a topic of software. And there's a lot of or, like ordering software out there to like, you know, automate and streamline the ordering process. You don't have to go through and enter every item on every order. Uh, and there's that. And there's also uh, what, you, what you have with, with all this. Uh, where are we with uh, basically the, the companies we're sourcing from uh, – Syncing, uh, syncing with the software so whenever there's a change to a price it automatically changes in our, our spreadsheet so we don't have to actually make the change where are we there is that happening it happens there are some software companies out there that have apis connections if you will with the broadline distributors most of those are loyal only to those distributors and uh, so you're not going to get your produce guy hell if you've got you know recipe cards matter for your your drinks at the bar you're not going to have any of that stuff so they're good but they're they're pretty kind of loyal if you will okay gotcha. so the way we've set it up us and some of my competitors we've set it up that as long as you get your a spreadsheet from your broadline distributors you simply upload it and so every time the order comes in not only do you have your paper invoice but in your inbox is, a, is an email spreadsheet you literally just upload it in the system it's all done prices updates based on fifo first in first out we've also set up uh, and we're just about to roll out we've been testing for for months now uh, literally days from now you have the ability to take a picture with your phone, your cell phone, of the invoice, upload it to our site by 5 o'clock, by 5 a.m. the next morning. 
you can upload the spreadsheet. So you don't have to worry about the data, the data entry. It's literally just an import. Mm. And so make sure whatever software you're looking at can save you time mm-hmm. and can make sure it's accurate. That's the bottom line. There's so many different solutions out there. Uh, bottom line is you've got to make sure it meets your needs and you're going to actually use it. Whether it's me or somebody else, don't pay for it if you're not going to use it. It's a waste of money. Mm-hmm. So I think I started this interview by saying I'm just going to be quiet and get out of David's way. And I think I did a pretty good job of just getting out of your way. And I, I knew that uh, you would just crush it, and you did. And there's so much information, so much value in this episode. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know, bookmark it, save it, download it, do whatever you got to do to make sure that you're uh, going through and taking these steps. And uh, you owe it to yourself, really, at the end of the day. Uh, so, uh, David, I was curious. We were talking before um, we hit the record button. You said you had a lot of like interesting, good things happening. So, what's on the future for you? What's on the horizon for you? What's going on? Well, not only am I still uh, in high demand and speaking uh, all over the country almost on a weekly basis, man, it has been crazy the last couple of years. Uh, we've developed, as we've kind of talked about, alluded about, is our software called Smart Systems Pro. Now, we're a restaurant training and coaching company. What makes us different is we teach people, we coach, we do things like we do budgets for you, with you. We re-engineer your menu for you, with you. We teach your managers how to use the systems. But the software part, it's cloud-based, has everything to do with everything you do to run a business all in one place. Put your numbers and once tied all together from daily manager log and cash controls, online scheduling system with labor controls, which we've added an app to go head to head with our, all of our scheduling uh, competitors. So your employees can swap schedules, do all that stuff from their app and communicate with them. We've got complete food, beverage, merchandise systems from recipe cards, ordering, inventory, prep, key item ports, way sheets, all accumulating into a weekly budget variance report to control your prime cost. Now, what's been exciting from uh, over the years that you and I have known each other is our software develops. We, we keep growing and doing. And over the years, it's been so exciting. Since we've talked last, we've added QuickBooks desktop integration, POS integration. For if you don't have the POS systems we work with, an an import. If you export from your POS, you can import it into SSP. We've now got the invoice product that I just talked about. And we've just created a loyalty program that we've We've teamed up with some of our channel partners to give you a GPO, group buying program, that literally can get you deviated prices because of all these restaurants that are a part of it, including rebates, to a point where I can more than pay for myself just by being a member. Unbelievable, with other benefits from uh, employee discounts and uh, to, to like shoes for crews and things like that. And, and it's just been incredible. And so... Every month it has been changing. Every month it's been growing. And, and I can tell you that there's no more exciting time for us in our company. And I, I, I can tell you this, though. We're not right for everybody. As you listen to me, I suck. I create work. But once that work's done, man, you get incredible results. And if you're ready for that, then, then we might be a right, a right people for you to talk to. Mm-hmm. But bottom line is, Make sure whatever you do, as we started off, ideas are cheap. It's the people who put them into action that are priceless. you got to do something with this great information that I've provided and that Eric provides you episode after episode after episode. Otherwise, man, you're just wasting time. David, you've been incredible. Uh, there's just so much great advice in this episode. I, my mind's kind of popping right now. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it a few times myself to uh, sh- sharpen my saw to get better at this stuff. Uh, but if we want to uh, maybe have a conversation with you, if we were struggling with a few of the concepts you shared with us and we want to ask you some questions, can we schedule time with you or do you do coaching or is there a way we can you know, learn more about what you do if, if we want to find out if it's right for us? 
Yeah, absolutely. You can do a couple things. You got a quick question. You want to email me at david at the restaurant expert.com. You can call me toll free at one 877 457-6278 at extension 101, but I travel a whole bunch. So I have a solutions coach, uh, Greg Sauerbach, who will devote, give you 15, 20 minutes, half hour, whatever you need to answer your questions. He is at extension 106. So I would tell you if you want to, you want to meet it, and he's Greg, G-R-E-G-G, at therestaurantexpert.com. Mention that you listen to me on, on this show uh, so we know where, where you came from, and uh, we'll make sure we help you, man. That's what we're awesome. here to do. Beautiful. Thank you so much, David. And uh, yeah, uh, if you guys want to, like I said, I mentioned earlier, episode 141, if you want to hear uh, the first episode with David, also tons of great information in there. And David, thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge with us, to uh, to challenge us, to really challenge us and to uh, you know, kind of call our bluff. I feel like you kind of called us out a little bit today, which is a good thing. Uh, and we, we should be pushing ourselves to really take it to the next level, to do these things, to, to make a difference in our life. And you've helped us uh, get one step there, one step closer. So thank you so much, David. And there, there is no questioning, my man, you are unstoppable. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Appreciate everything Cheers. that you do. Thank you. Well, there is another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. And where do you even start summarizing that conversation? I feel like we just got uh, just slammed with with information and new knowledge and all knowledge that will make us just a little bit more unstoppable. But if I have to summarize it, uh, I mean, first and foremost, uh, this stuff that we're talking about, it's intimidating. It's foreign for a lot of us, myself included. I'm not afraid to admit when uh, there's a topic I, I don't specialize in and I don't really know that much about. And this is one of them. So I just got out of the way. I, I knew David would uh, take the reins and uh, just do what he does. And he did it so beautifully today for us. Thank you again, David. Uh, but like the, the big lessons in today's conversation is, uh, you know, in, embrace that stupid, uh, live in that area of stupid and over time, it will, you will, I say it all the time, but over time, you'll feel less stupid. And that's where we grow. That's where we, 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 you know, take it to the next level. So don't shy away from it. And then, uh, menu engineering, it all starts with those, uh, menu costing cards. So starts there. You need to know what the value, what the cost of something is. And then you figure out your margins, what your best uh, performers are. And then it's all about that menu engineering to highlight those, those margins, the menus that, that do the best. And we can, we can, I hate to use the word manipulate, but steer people in the direction to order those, those items that perform the best, that, that give us the, the biggest return on our time. Right. And that's where the magic sauce is. And there's a bunch of little tricks and tips that he gave us today. Uh, great conversation. Uh, so much dropped on us today. So, uh, you can always go back, you can listen to it again and, uh, share this with your team, share this with your kitchen folks, let them know. I think a big, a big part of what makes people successful is when they share this type of knowledge with everybody. So everybody knows why we're doing these things. Cause you're going to get a lot of people uh, fighting you when you're trying to make them do this stuff. But when they understand the end result and why we need to do these things, they're going to be a lot more likely to get behind you into, uh, you know, help you uh, accomplish this, this task. That's, that's not going to be fun. So anyway, uh, great stuff here. Uh, think that's good for now like always guys eric at restaurantunstoppable.com shoot me your emails i am listening this episode is proof of that uh this episode was recorded because somebody reached out to me and said hey eric i would love 
an episode dedicated to menu engineering and just costing and all that. So here you go. You asked. I listened. I provided. And I love doing stuff like this. So ask me your questions or put the topics in front of me. I will go to work for you. I love serving other people. So this this stuff, like I don't shy away from this stuff. Let me have it. And uh, please support the show. Uh, there's a few ways you can do it. Uh, write a review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Um, I'm also on Google Play now. And on Spotify, I believe. If I'm not, let me know. I'm pretty sure I'm out there. Uh, if you can't find me, I would like to know. But uh, check out those other platforms. Uh, so, yeah, leave a review on those platforms if you can. And you can donate a small amount or whatever amount you would like. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash support. Every little bit helps. But the best way to support me in this mission of empowering uh, independent restaurant operators, the stories and the advice of those proving to be great is by sharing this resource, guys. Pay it forward. If you're finding if you're finding value, uh, help other people find this value and share these resources or these episodes with those that you know who are aspiring to be great in this industry. Uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>